Welcome to the Arise Church Podcast, where we exist so that way you can experience God. If you like this content, would you consider subscribing and joining our online community? That way you can get notified on each week's messages. With that being said, we pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to take one step closer to Jesus. So excited to be here. We have not had the privilege of an introduction. My name is Tina Blunt. I have the honor of serving as the community pastor, and I have the honor of bringing the word today. Super excited to share with you what God has laid on my heart. Somebody asked me a few minutes ago if my shirt was left over from last night. In other words, did I just stay out partying and just wear it? And I said, you know the phrase, go big or go home? Well, last night I went home, so today I decided to go big. I just decided to flip it. You know, that's what we were going to do. We're going to flip it up just a little bit. I also want to take a moment and say hello to everybody watching online. Can we put our hands together one more time? We know that some of them have been out late. They have been out shooting fireworks. God help you. I forgive you. Can I just say that right now? I forgive you. If you were the ones that were out doing it until 2 a.m., I forgive you. God help you. There we go. I also want to welcome again all of our first-time guests. We're so excited you're here. And whether you're watching online or you're here in the room, let me say this. You are not going to want to miss next Sunday. Next Sunday is our annual State of the Church Address. It is the Sunday that we clap and celebrate until our hands hurt everything that God did in 2022. And it's the service where Pastor Brent cast vision for 2023. So you are going to want to be here. You are going to want to be here. We need you here. We invite you to come back with us. And I'm super excited because everybody that's here next Sunday gets a free Arise t-shirt. Woo! We like our Arise t-shirts. The other day I was driving down Kings Avenue and some guy I don't even know was walking down the street in a Rise t-shirt. I'm like, hey, I know that church. Like, I'm familiar with them. I've never met you, but I like that church. Hey, listen, we are also calling a church-wide fast starting January the 5th. And so for those of you who were just singing that you will make room for him, fasting is a great way to do that. Fasting is the way where we subtract our flesh so that we can multiply God's presence in our lives. And if this is new for you, you can pick up some information on how to do a fast at the connection counter. You're going to see more information coming out about that over the course of the next couple of days as well. But I'm excited. 2023 is off to a great start. Who's excited for this year? I am so excited. I always feel like maybe it's the writer in me. I like the metaphor of it. It feels like it's the first blank page of a 365-page book. Pen in hand, let's write this thing with God and see what he's going to do. Now, I know not, not everybody is super excited about New Year's Day. Some of you, you're like, it's just another day. Some of you are super excited because you are so happy to see 2022 go. You're like, sayonara, not going to miss you. Let's move on, and we are going to move from here. But the reality is, is that in truth, the way you look at the upcoming year oftentimes has a lot to do with your experience of the prior year, doesn't it? Like if you had a, a really rough 2022, sometimes it can impact the way you look at the future. So for example, if God has been super faithful to you in 2022, then your expectation is high and you are riding strong into 2023. But what about those of us who have struggled in 2022 in some area of our life? Maybe we've seen God's faithfulness over here and over here, but there's that one prayer request, that one that we have been praying specifically for God to answer. It's the one that we've gone to the altar over. It's the one that we have fasted over. And maybe we prayed over it in 2021 and 2020. and tw I mean, it's been going on for a while, but for whatever reason... God hasn't answered that one yet. You know, like the prayer for your prodigal child to come home. Like, like the prayer for that family member that you're believing will come to know Jesus. But what about the prayer that one day you're actually going to see those two pink lines on the pregnancy test? What about the call that you're waiting for from the doctor that says, hey, there's a trial we think this one just might work. What about the apology that you've been waiting for someone to bring you? Or the business that you're finally waiting to get off the ground? How do we lean 
into God in a new year, believing him in faith with great expectation, when there's areas of our life that it just seems like are, are just flying by him and he's not getting it. I mean, you're waking up on January 1st and you never thought you would be single again on January 1st. You were at that party last night. You're like, I'm leaving at 1159 because I want to see all them couples kissing. I'm out of here. Or, or what about you get up and you check your credit score and you're like, how did it go down? Like, I paid stuff off for heaven's sakes. How, how did that happen? Or what about that family member that's still acting a fool? And you have been praying and praying and praying, and your anxiety is still up, or you still have no clue what you're going to do in this season of your life. And it begs the question, when your wish for 2022 did not come true, how do you, as men and women of God, approach 2023? Now, I know that this doesn't apply to everybody in the room, because some of you saw God really show up and show off in 2022. And we can just stop and do a praise moment and say, praise God, I saw you move in some areas of my life, God, and I love you and I praise you. But there are others of you in the room who know exactly what I'm talking about. Because even though you have experienced God's faithfulness and goodness, there are some areas of your life where there may be a specific area of your life where it feels like God has his iPhone on do not disturb. And I know that Jesus has an iPhone because he is a fan of fruit and there is an apple on an iPhone. But for whatever reason, it's said on do not disturb for that one big prayer. And you prayed and you fasted and you came to the altar. And if you haven't been there yet, you just haven't walked with Jesus long enough because every single one of us in one season of life or another will encounter an area where we are desperately in need of God to show up. And it feels like our prayers are just hitting the ceiling. And just so we're on the same page, I'm not talking about that prayer that you would wake up one morning and there would be a Maserati sitting in your driveway. Let me tell you, if there is a Maserati sitting in your driveway, you should call the police because somebody probably stole it and left it there. And I am not talking about that prayer that you would wake up to a super toned, fit, hard body, either on your body or on the body sleeping beside you. And I'm also not referring to the Powerball that you hope you're going to win. I'm talking about the prayers for answers. I'm talking about the prayers for healing. I'm talking about the prayers for restoration. I'm talking about the prayers for conception. I'm talking about the prayers for provision. I'm talking about the prayers for companionship. I'm talking about the prayers for purpose. How about a job? How about your peace? How about your peace of mind? I'm talking about those prayers. Does anybody in the house know what it's like to pray for those prayers? And linger and tarry for those prayers. And say, God, I need you to move in this area. I mean, these are prayers that should be easy for God, shouldn't they? His word declares they should be easy. And yet, here we are on January 1st, 2023. And some of us have areas of our lives that God just hasn't shown up in yet. As men and women of God, how do we in faith enter the new year with hope and expectation while carrying around the burden of these unanswered prayers? That's the topic we're going to talk about today. It's the topic that I believe that's on God's heart because it's a topic that we don't often talk about. Most of us don't get together in our small groups and go, so how are you doing in your prayer life? Is God answering your prayers? Where are you seeing God move? Where are you struggling? Are you struggling at all in any area where God is not answering? Instead, we push down the disappointment. We put a plastic smile over our face because we don't want to seem unspiritual. And when someone asks us how we are, we respond, God is good all the time. God is good. And the truth of the matter is that God is good all the time. All the time, God is good, but it doesn't always feel good. 
when you're hanging on to hope and it feels like hope is unraveling in your hands, then again, if you haven't been there, hang on. There's going to be a moment that you're going to need this message. So stick it in your pocket and save it for that rainy day. It's struggling. It's difficult when it feels like God has forgotten about your prayers. When God seems unwilling to answer your prayers to the prayer that would change everything, to the prayer would let you know that he sees you, that he hears you, that he knows you, that he loves you, and that he truly has a plan for your life. I'm wondering if anyone other than me needs this message today. I'm wondering if anyone needs a faith booster today. Because that's what I believe God wants to bring us. The reality is, is just by hearing those yeses, we learn that we're not alone. We're not the only one who has sat through seasons where we're waiting for God to answer. And waiting and waiting and waiting. But the enemy will try to tell you that you are alone. The enemy will try to tell you, don't talk about this. You're going to seem unspiritual. You're going to seem like you don't have enough faith. Just push it down, push it aside. He's going to tell you that, that God has singled you out. But let me tell you, God has not singled you out. God has not found your prayer unworthy. God longs to answer the prayers of his children. He longs to make himself known on the earth. He wants to show his glory in your life so that you go and tell of it everywhere. He's for you. And he wants to show himself mightily to you. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, ask, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. The next verse goes on and it talks about how God is a good father and he longs to give good gifts to his children. He, he doesn't give us something that's harmful or hurtful. He wants to put blessings in our life. And somebody needs a revelation of that this morning. Someone came in and maybe you're just going through the motions. It's January 1st. I guess I'll get up and go to church. You need to know God is for you this morning. Just look at your neighbor. We're going to tell everybody God is for you. Tell them. Now tell your other neighbor, God is for you. Come on, church. God is for you. He wants you to go into the new year filled up with faith, filled up with expectation. So over the next couple of moments, we're going to look to a woman in Scripture who knows exactly what it's like to navigate a season of unanswered prayer. And through her life, we're going to glean some things that will help us, that will fill us up so that when we walk through that season, be it now or be it later, we'll be able to do it and do it well. Now, the scriptures do not necessarily give her a name. They call her by her location. Her story is found in 2 Kings chapter 4, where she is described as a well-to-do woman. And even though she seems to be financially well off, make no mistake, not all is well with her soul. So if you have your Bibles, open them up, turn them on, or direct your attention to the screen as we look to 2 Kings chapter 4. Scripture says that one day the prophet went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. And she said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small roof for him on the roof and put it in a bed, put in it a bed and a table and a chair and a lamp for him. And then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. One day Elisha came and he went up to his room and he lay down there. And he said to his servant Gehazi, Call the Shunammite. That's what they called her, the Shunammite. So he called her, and she stood before him. Elijah said to him, tell her, you have gone to all of this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? 
Can we speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. What can be done for her? Elisha asked. Gehazi said, she has no son and her husband is old. Then Elisha said, call her. So he called her and she stood in the doorway. And Elisha said to her, about this time next year, you will hold a son in your arms. And she objected, no, my Lord, please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. What do we know about this woman? Well, scripture declares that she had a measure of wealth. She had a measure of wealth, so much so that she was, had enough food initially to open up her home to the prophet and just let him come and eat whenever he was in the area. Scripture says that she clearly had enough financial resources that she was literally able to build a room on her home, a room where she furnished from rooms to go because they were having a New Year's Day sale. And she hooked it all up and, and she made it a beautiful place. She was married, and even though her husband was old, she seems to have a good relationship with her husband. This woman seemed to be a woman of influence. She seemed to have a measure of influence inside of her community, and this woman seemed to be, if not a believer, someone who was a godly woman. She was sensitive and discerning to the things of God. She was a generous woman. And that she was willing to give of what she had in order to bless others. Some would say, from the outside looking in, that she was content. She was happy even. Not all that unlike many of us. In fact, I've got to say, many of you, y'all look good this morning. I've hugged a few of you. You smell good this morning. I saw you drive up in nice cars this morning. My guess is you probably came from a home this morning, a home that you could probably invite somebody over and share a meal with, a home that you might be able to let someone spend a night or two in your place. You're not all unlike this Shunammite woman. Your life looks good on the outside, and in many ways it probably is until we look a little deeper. And that's what the prophet Elijah did when he asked how he could repay her for her generosity. After looking at the surface of her life and not finding an area that was lacking, they stumbled across a place that was tender in her heart. A place that had been wounded in her heart. A place of unanswered prayer. Not long ago, someone did that into my own life. We were having a random conversation, and she's a ministry friend. She was asking me about what I was dreaming about for the upcoming year, and I responded by sharing with her my goals. I am a goal-oriented person. My goals have goals. And so I began to share, and she said, no, 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 no. Tell me about what you're dreaming about. And I kept trying evasive measures to avoid the question, kind of like I'm hoping Tom Brady will do today during the one o'clock Bucks game. <laughs> but she finally tapped on a place of my heart where if I was being honest, she was making me a bit uncomfortable because she tapped on a place of my heart where I had stopped dreaming. In fact, I had taken those areas of dreams and I had stuck them in a box and I had labeled it unanswered prayer. And it made me uncomfortable for a couple of reasons. Number one, because I'm Pastor Tina. I'm the one that does the asking of questions like that. And she was giving it right back to me. But number two, I felt a little vulnerable. And I felt a little exposed because the truth of the matter was, in this particular area of my life, I'd stopped praying. I had just prayed myself until I was prayed out. And I didn't want it to impact my relationship with God, and so I just stuffed it in a box. I think on some level, that's what the Shunammite woman did. You see, Scripture tells us and reveals to us a little bit of her heart, because when he said to her, about this time next year, you're going to have a son, she shouted, praise God, hallelujah. Is that what she did? No. 
You see, had she surrendered it, that would have been a response. And how I know she had stuffed it is because she said, no, man of God, I object to this. Don't mislead me. Why did this woman of God, this woman of faith, this woman that was so discerning just a few scriptures prior to that, in essence, tell the prophet, don't you lie to me. Don't you play with me. Don't you dare make a promise that you can't keep for probably the same reason you and I do. Because hope can hurt. And hope can feel heavy, too heavy to carry. In fact, the writer of Proverbs, in Proverbs 13, 12, sheds a little more light on it. He says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Deferred means delayed. Hope means postponed. Hope does not, deferred does not mean denied, though. It doesn't mean denied. It means postponed. It means delayed. But Scripture says it makes the heart sick. Now, this word sick means to be worn down. It means to be eroded. It means to be weakened. It it means to be sick to the point of disease. And that tells us that when you and I are waiting for an answered prayer, we have to guard our hearts. That's what the scripture says, that above all else, guard your heart because you can become heart sick in the process of waiting. And so it's critical that we learn how to navigate these seasons. Now, we don't know how long the Shunammite had to wait. We know her husband was old, but we don't know if she married him old or if they had just been together a long time and he got old. We we don't know what the foundation is. But we do know that she had suffered because in that time to be barren was shameful. It, It wasn't just she was lacking something. She was living with this cloud of shame You see, guilt says, I'm not good enough. Shame says, you are not enough. And so she is carrying this. She has this season of barrenness, not only physically, but she's probably had it emotionally, might even have had it spiritually. And so at least in this area of her life, her faith was weakened in her response. Don't mislead your servant tells us that she could not handle another disappointment later and I encourage you to go read the whole story later she comes to the same man of God and says did I not tell you not to get my hopes up did I ask you for this she had placed that unanswered prayer in a box where it was safe so that she could get about her life and some of us do the exact same thing in hours. In this stage of her life, she thought having a child was impossible. That is until the prophet released a word of promise over her, and it sparked something on the inside of her. And that tells me that it, that dream inside of her was not dead. It had just been laying dormant because there was something in there where, where it could catch flame. It could catch fire. And it brings us to point number one. If you're taking notes this morning, you and I have to keep the flame of hope alive. We have to keep the flame of hope alive. It's our job to keep the flame of hope alive. Until God says this is a no-go, we have to stand on prayer. We have to lift our hands in praise, and we have got to hold tight to the promises of God. We've got to do the work. And there will be times that God says no. I've had times in my own life where God says, Tina, stop praying about that. It's not going to happen. And that's another message for another day. But this isn't that moment. This is that moment where we have to stand 
where we have to walk in confidence, filled with faith, knowing the truth of God's word in Mark 9, 23, that says all things are possible to those who believe. Do you still believe this morning? Do you still have faith this morning? Are you still holding on this morning? Can I fan the flame for you this morning? Creating in you a spirit of expectation. I know of a woman that her husband was far away from God. He had walked away from God during the course of her marriage. And she tried to get through to him. She tried to get pastors through to him. It wasn't working. And so every single night she would anoint his pillowcase. He was like, what is the smell of lavender in this house? She anointed everything that his head touched because she said, God, if I can't get through him in the daytime, maybe you're going to get through to him in the nighttime. I know of another person who sat two spots at the dinner table every single night, even though her husband was now living with another woman. She said it in faith, believing for him to come home. And I have a friend who went so far as to go out and buy a wedding dress long before she ever met the man because she was believing in faith. These people just didn't pray. They didn't just fan the flames. They added feet to their faith. Sometimes you and I, while we're waiting, will need to add feet to our faith. We've got to fan the flames. What is it that you're waiting for? And how can you add feet to your faith right now while you're waiting, while you're praying, while you're believing? One of the ways you do that is by serving others. One of the ways you do that is you don't get so tucked in yourself and making it all about yourself. You begin to serve others. You serve God while you're waiting. That's what the Shunammite did. We're told in this story, as we saw, that she built a small room. I'm sure she would have rather have built a nursery. I'm sure she would have rather built a playroom, a baby's room. But she used what she had, and she gave what she could to serve others, even in that season when her own heart was longing, even when her own heart was still holding on. And that tells me that even in this season where her deepest need had gone unmet, she kept her heart open to God. She kept her heart open to the things of God, to the people of God, to serving God. And that leads us to point number two this morning. While you're waiting, allow God to work in you and through you. I'm convinced that part of the reason that we are given the invitation of the wait is to reveal to us what's really going on inside of our hearts. Is the object of our affection our Savior? Or is it the gift in his hand we're begging him to give us? You see, desiring the object isn't wrong, but desiring the object above the gift giver is problematic because it reveals something in our heart that needs to be surrendered, something in our heart that's hindering our walk with him. And so I have to ask, how have you been waiting? Because how you've been waiting is actually revealing the true condition of your heart. And here's the thing. God's not waiting for it to be revealed to him. He already knows. He's waiting for you to come to revelation of it. So while you've been waiting, are you sulking? Moping around? Complaining? God does it for them. Why would he do it for her? How did they get the job? Are we going through the motions? Fine, God, I'm going to come to church, but I'm not lifting my hands. I don't care how many times Erica says it. I am not lifting my hands. Are we going through the motions? Are we trying to take matters into our own hands? And saying, okay, fine, you're not going to do it for me. I'm going to go do it myself. You're not bringing me a man? I'm going on Bumble. I'm going on eHarmony. And I am not condemning that. If you want to do that, knock yourself out. It's a good thing. I don't think it's bad. But I'm just saying, if you do it, be sure God's in it. You want that new promotion, so you're going to step on somebody else so that you can make sure that you're the one that rises? 
We've got to check our hearts. We've got to check our motives. We've got to make sure we're waiting in such a way that we're bringing God glory in the process. Listen, waiting is hard. And we can become deceived and become calloused in our thinking. And we can forget that we serve a compassionate God. A God who feels what we feel. Who knows what it's like to wait on the Father. Isaiah chapter 40 expands upon this. Scripture says that even youths grow tired and weary. You don't have to be old to grow tired and weary of waiting. Even young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Hallelujah. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I want to live like that. That's what I want. Anybody other than me? That's who I want to live like. That's what I want to be. One day when my body gives itself out, I want my faith to still be full. I want to be like those in the hall of faith in Hebrews, who some of them actually died still waiting for their promises to come to fruition. But yet scripture says they were full of faith. This passage says that those who hope in the Lord, some translations actually say those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. So how do we get this strength? How do we get this strength from the Lord? We receive it as we wait in hope. It's an active form of waiting. This isn't some sitting on the couch kind of waiting. Now, I'm not saying that when you're waiting that there are not moments where you just need to go have yourself a holy fit. I have had plenty of holy fits in my life. I've had plenty of moments with God where I am just like done and I'm just almost shaking my fist at him. But that's not this kind of waiting. This kind of waiting is active. It's kind of like imagine you are going to Tampa International Airport because somebody is coming in. You are expecting someone to come in. And you got to get in your car and you got to fight I-275 to get yourself to Tampa. And you get there and you have to find a parking spot. And then you have to find a gate. And then you got to find a coffee because we all know we need coffee while we're waiting at the gate. And then you have to do the hard thing. You have to watch as other people are being greeted by the ones that they love that they've been waiting for. You've got to watch as they get connected and get reconnected. And you're like, when's my person coming? And you look up at the monitors and the flight says, delayed. And it says delayed. And so you do two things. You watch it. You watch for signs. You look for the signs to change. That says arrival due at this time. You're waiting on a word from God. You're waiting on him to confirm the word. You're waiting on him for, for him to encourage you. And you are laser focused on him, God. I'm focused on you, God. Because you're the object of my affection right here. It's that kind of waiting. That's what the Shunammite woman did. She kept serving others while she was waiting. She didn't let unanswered prayer turn her into a bitter, bitter, mean woman who wouldn't open up her home, who hoarded her money. She gave. She stayed generous. She didn't let the flame of her faith go out. And I, I don't know what you're waiting on today, but may I encourage you to do so actively, to do so purposefully. Do what you can while he works on what you can't. Draw closer to him. Draw closer to him in this season. What the enemy wants in this season is for you to gain a perspective that God is a stingy God. You've got to get in the word and realize that he is a God of so much love and so much goodness. You, you've got to surround yourself with the right community. You've got to surround yourself with people who will lift up your arms in faith when you are tired. You don't want the friends around you that are like, well, you just need to give that one up, girl. Hey, dude, you need to get over that one. No, 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 no. If God has spoken, you don't need a word from, from man. 
When you get a word from God, that's enough. I'm like, I've got people that will come to me and say, what do you think about this? Why are you asking me what I think? God's already spoken to you. God's already given you a word on what this is. You've got to find an area and, and use your gifts and talents in that season of waiting. You've got to be faithful where you are while you're waiting to go where you want to go. So get in a group. Join a serve team. Find a place to minister. Work diligently at your job. Serve your family well. Use your gifts and talents in this season. And then do, do this one. Develop your understanding, your knowledge in the area that you're waiting on. Are you waiting for a financial provision? Well, open your Bible and read every single scripture that it says about money. You just might find that there's an area that you can do something about. God's been waiting on you the whole time you've been waiting on him. Are you struggling in your marriage? Go get a mentor. Step into our mentoring ministry and spend time with other couples who model marriage well. Are you single right now? Well, do you know anybody who's doing single life well? Take them to coffee. Ask them questions. How are you doing this well in this season? Grow in that area. It's not just to keep yourself busy. It's not just distraction. It's not just keeping your mind off of these prayers. But it's to demonstrate to God that while he is faithful, so are you. That you will be faithful to him in the same way he's faithful to you. That you will love him whether he answers your prayer or not. And that's the million dollar question. Will you love him? Will you serve him whether or not he answers you or not? That's the question. That's the real question of your heart. Do you believe that he knows what's best for you? Because sometimes while you're asking and when you're seeking and when you're knocking, he will show you a picture of what life would be like if he actually answered that prayer. And then he's going to say, do you still want it? Do you still want it? This is what it will change. Do you still want it? you got to remember God's a father. He's a good father. He was a father before he was a savior. And a father provides, but he also protects and some of the things that you and I are begging God for, if he said yes to that, would destroy us. Because we're not prepared to handle it today. We're not prepared to handle it today. For the past few years, it's been an area in my own life that I have been praying about. An area that I have been asking God to provide a solution to and it would feel like he would answer me in little bits and pieces but he wasn't bringing me a solution and I had done all of the things that I am suggesting you to do I have walked this I have lived this I am in this right along with you and on that particular day I I was reading and I was in Matthew 7 and I was reading this passage about asking and seeking and knocking and, and I just, you know, kind of went off on God and I said, God, my knuckles are bloody. I've been knocking and knocking and knocking. I've been seeking. I've been standing. I've been asking God. I'm tired. And I challenged the truth of God's word. I challenged God, is this real? Is it true? God, am I, am I off somewhere in my understanding of it? Do I not understand it contextually? God, give me something. And because he's a good father, he's a relational God, I heard him just whisper in my ear, Ephesians chapter 3. And so I went to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, and I read this that he led me to, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more then all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. And I realized that God was saying, Tina, the prayer that you keep begging me for is too small. I want to do more. Ask me for more. Ask me for bigger. Ask me. Raise your faith. And can I tell you, it's only been a few weeks and God answered that prayer. and He blew my mind with the answer. But I had to lift my faith. I had to raise my level of expectation. And it didn't happen overnight. I've been asking for years. Not for a Band-Aid. 
pray for surgery, God. I need you to do surgery in this area of my life. And between the moment he gave me that verse and he answered that prayer, he showed me how far I had come, how far I had grown while I was waiting. And he pointed out the places where I still needed to grow because he's a good father. And so we go to him not just saying, Daddy, please. But Dad, what is your heart on this topic? Am I asking the wrong question? God, God, what is it that you want to say to me, God? I'm, I'm asking not just for the object of my affection. I'm asking the person of my affection. What is your word on this topic? No doubt the Shunammite woman had grown while she was waiting too, while she was fanning flames, while she was serving others, while she was being prepared for what was being prepared for her. And this brings me to point number three in our final point of the morning. There is an appointed time for your prayers to be answered. There is an appointed time for your prayers to be answered. And that appointed time is when God's perfect will and God's perfect timing come together. God's will without his timing is not good. And God's timing without his will is not good. You need both in this situation. Evangelist Ron Susick is quoted as saying, a cosmic clock is ticking. Can you hear it? It was established by God, not just for the vast movements of the universe, but for every situation in your life. Some of us are praying for things that we think only impact us. But when God answers them, it's going to impact your generation. It's going to impact your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. It's going to impact your community and your job. It's going to impact this church and that church and the other church and the church around the corner. we got to look a little bigger. we got to believe a little more. We've got to trust a little more fully. And the challenge is, is we just want what we want when we want it. And we want it quickly. We serve a crockpot God and we kind of want him to be a microwave. It's kind of what the prophet Habakkuk in the Old Testament wanted. When he said this to the Lord, I wonder if you can relate to his words. How long, Lord, must I call for help but you do not listen? Come on, y'all. Have you been there in the middle of the night? How many times do I have to pray this, God, before you answer me or cry out to you? In this case, violence is everywhere, but you don't save. I love this prophet. Man, he just says it. Like he's not afraid of his relationship with God. He goes to God with respect and with honor. He takes his shoes off before he goes to him, but he goes to him. And he says, God, where are you? And God responds to Habakkuk just one chapter later, and, and God says this, it's so profound. He said, for the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end, and it will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come, and it will not delay. Somebody this morning needs to hear these words. You just got to hold on. You just got to hold on. Though it linger, wait for it. You just got to hold on this morning. I'm here to tell somebody to hold on this morning. You see, when God gives us a revelation, we've got to be faithful. We've got to be faithful. And we've got to wait for the realization of it. Revelation is, is so much bigger than anything that, that, that I can even articulate it. it. It consumes you. It doesn't just come as a thought in your mind or, or a word you think you think. It consumes you, body and soul. And when God gives that revelation and you know that he's spoken to you, don't you let the enemy steal that from you. Don't you let some family member talk you out of it. You hold on to that revelation. And you wait for the realization of that promise to come true. You see, I believe that's what the Shunammite woman did. Because after receiving a word from the prophet in verse 17, we find these words. That sure enough, 
I like those words. Sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant. Can I just pause there and say her husband must not have been that old? Soon enough, the woman became pregnant. And the next year, about that same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. Now, here's what I find really interesting. In my studies, I learned something that I didn't know. There are commentators who believe that the Shunammite's son was actually the prophet Habakkuk. Now, we don't know that that's true. There's speculation of that. Do your own study on it. But there is speculation of that. And I find that really interesting because he was the one who fussed to God about God's timing. And it would seem as though his life and his mother's life came full circle and intertwined together because the questions of her heart were spoken through his mouth. And when God answered, the object lesson became stories that can impact our life. That we have to learn how to wait well. That we have to learn how to take our grievances to God. Because he's the only one that's capable of handling them. And we have to believe in faith. That God is faithful even when everything in our reality tells us otherwise. Is waiting hard? Yes. Is it normal to get discouraged? Yes. Is it impossible? No. No, it's not. Because we serve a good God, a God who is a good father, who answers prayer, and his timing for his glory and our good. I'll close with this story. I have a friend that is a pastor here in this area. Her and her husband pastor a church in this area. And she was adopted when she was a small child. And even though she had amazing adoptive parents who she loves very much, there was always something inside of her that just wanted to know where she came from. She wanted to know her birth parents, and so with her adoptive parents' permission, she went on a journey to discover who they were. And through just a miraculous encounter, she met her biological mother.
begin to let your worship arise right now. Begin to let your praise arise right now. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you consider subscribing? If you were moved by this message, we would love to hear your testimony. Please email it to amen at myarisechurch.com. I pray you leave here feeling encouraged and inspired. We'll see you next time.